Welcome to Mission Revive, a podcast dedicated to hope and healing through God's transforming love, where your hosts, anchored in truth and armed with faith, are changing the world and reviving hearts with Jesus, one conversation at a time. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Mission Revive podcast. I'm Bob Newberry, and I'm a board member of Revive Hope and Healing Ministries, a collection of Catholic apostolates impelled by the Holy Spirit. My partner for today's podcast is Ann Costa, founder and executive director of Revive Hope and Healing Ministries. Good morning, Ann. Hi, Hi, Bob. It's really good to be back together again. Yep. Yeah, for this for this podcast. Yes. And I know this one is very near and dear to your heart. It's close, close, uh, close connection with your own home parish. But yeah. um, we're going to be talking to Mark and Nina Ranieri, who um, are are the youth minister, or at least Mark is the youth minister. But you, I love that they're both here as a couple. Yeah. Um, to talk about their experiences and raising their family. So I'm going to just give you a little bio that they provided for us. They've been Great. married since 2009. They have six living children and three children in heaven. And their family currently resides in, in Marcy, New York, in upstate New York. And Mark currently works as the youth minister for a Spirit of Hope Catholic community based in Oneida, which I think you, you're you involved with, right? One of the parishes Correct. or some. Yep. Previously, Mark served as a, a school building administrator for the New Hartford and Oriskany School Districts, as well as a teacher for the Rome City School Districts. So he has a ton of background there. He has a BA from the SUNY Geneseo. Mark has um, a master's from Lemoyne College and then a master's from SUNY, SUNY Stony Brook. Nina has a BS from SUNY Geneseo and a master's degree from SUNY Cortland. And she previously taught in the Sequoia Valley um, Central School District and also worked for the Syracuse Diocese Family Respect Life Office. Wow, we are we are we're really blessed to have them here for us with us today that they're able to carve out this time for us. So come on on. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. You know, I I when I first approached Mark about uh, uh, about joining us on this podcast, he, he and uh, he he said, well, you know, I'm only half of the puzzle here, so <laughs> so. Uh, uh quickly extended an invite to nina as well um and i've I've got to tell you that what uh in my own mind what uh what prompts prompted the invitation and and maybe several others uh going forward is um uh the institution of family um and how important that is and how uh um how the church views family and uh um and then in in your own day-to-day practical lives how how you approach family you know and and um my my first question and please keep your answer under two hours okay Um, (laughs) my 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 first question really is uh how has your own faith your own catholic faith um informed or influenced uh your approach to family um can we uh, can we start there sure <laughs> um i think that being a catholic is so 
wrapped up in what it means to be a husband and a father for me personally. I think that everything that we do flows kind of from the Catholic Church to the Catholic Church. And the church is meant to be, in so many ways, a support to families. And we've heard this throughout the you know years with Pope John Paul II. He would say, as the family goes, so goes the nation, so goes the world. Um, but really, in a, in a personal way, I think being a, a dad and um, a husband is strengthened for me by my participation in the life of the church and the sacraments, especially, um, but also the community of believers, um, the support that we receive through being part of the church, um, part of the universal church. Uh, that's what sticks out to me. Yeah, I was thinking of the same exact quote, um, you know, as the family goes, so goes the nation and the world. And I was also reflecting on Our Lady of Fatima and the, um, the children of Fatima and how, you know, they said the final battle will be between Satan and the family. And you could see that in the world today. And, you know, if we did not, by the grace of God, have our Catholic faith, I don't know how we could do it, you know? Um, so it, like Mark said, it is the foundation of our family. It's not just an hour on Sunday. It's interwoven into every aspect of our marriage and raising our children. Um, and that's what makes it so beautiful to be a Catholic. It's in you, it's a part of you, you know? Nina, right. can you, I'm sorry, Mark, do you want to add to that? No, this is why I wanted Nina on, because sometimes she can, <laughs> she can, we can complete each other's <laughs> thoughts better. So, <laughs> Okay, well, and we get to watch, you know. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, that's, that's great, you know. Um, Nina, could you, uh, you, you talk about how uh, it, it informs on a day-to-day -day basis, raising the kids, building your family. Um, could, could you be more specific about how that plays itself out? Yes. Um, every morning when we wake up, even if we can't make it to mass, we read the mass readings together at the table. Um, and it started off with just Mark and I reading them. And then the kids kind of gravitate towards that. And when we were talking with our older daughter last night about her faith and how could I, could I interrupt for a second? How old yeah. is, how old is she, your oldest? Oh, our, our oldest is 12 and a half. So okay, great. when we were speaking with her last night about her own faith journey and, you know, we said, how did mom and dad help you? And that was the first thing she said was being present to listen to the word in the morning as a family. Um, so I think if you could start your day with Jesus, it doesn't mean that a day is going to be perfect, um, but it's a good start to the day with the kids. And then throughout the day, you know, we'll, we homeschool our youngest ones, our oldest daughters at Holy Cross in seventh grade, but the youngest we homeschool. So throughout all of their learning is woven our Catholic faith. So could you, could you uh, tell us the ages of the other kids? Yes. Um, so our oldest is 12 and then that's Olivia. And then our son, Mark is 11. Juliana is eight, Dominic is five, Francis is three, and Salvatore is one and a half. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So, so the oldest is out of the home attending Holy, uh, Holy Cross, and the other kids are home for school. Yes, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yep. I got the lay of the land. Yeah, now. you got the lay. Yeah. It's hard to keep up right now. Yeah. Just picture going to the doctor when they say, what's the birth date of all your children? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, so I, I, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. Gonna, it's yeah. okay. But I guess, you know, our, our faith being interwoven. So when we're learning, and let's say we're learning English, and we have a Catholic English book, or we're, you know, we're learning about the biographies of the saints throughout the day. Um, my phone beeps and we pray the Angelus or the Divine Mercy and just trying to make our faith be a part of daily life with our children so that for them, it's not abstract. It's it's not countercultural to be Catholic because it's a part of who they are. And I would just say all that very humbly that this process has been very much of a baby step process you know we didn't know all this going into parenthood at all and it's only through god's grace that he shows us bit by bit you know how to parent catholic catholic parenting so yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, you want me to keep going, Ann, or do you want to kick Well, I just want to make a comment that I think a lot of people do think, you know, I could never do what you're doing. I could never do that. And it's encouraging to hear you say that, well, you didn't start out this way. <laughs> and um, it just kind of unfolded. You did one, probably one thing at a time, and 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 you gained in your in grace and strength and commitment to that. And I, you know, I, I, that's very encouraging, I think, for young families who sit there and think, I could never do that. Well, you can start very small. You can start with having breakfast in the morning and reading the word uh, and see that was impactful. And that, and I just, I, I, you know, thank you for saying that. And I think that's been a theme that's run throughout our marriage is that one thing at a time and that the Lord calls you deeper and deeper and the Lord is, you know, endless in compassion, inexhaustible in his nature. <laughs> and so just for us, we never even set out on a journey of having a big family. That was not really anything, especially I had ever considered. Um, we both came from smaller families. Um, and it was only through the grace of God that we were put in touch with someone who, um, you know, through part of our marriage prep, our priest said, you have to take a class through natural family planning. <clears throat> it's required. And we said, okay, you know, it's just part of what you do. And that mm -hmm. little crack, that little opening led to us being open to life for our first child. And then we said, you know, each one, I just think that's a good theme to build upon because yeah. we said, could we have one more? Yeah, we, we could have one more. Um, you know, what about having one more? Do you think we could have one more? Yeah. And slowly, I think it's just this unfolding. And that's also taken part in our own spiritual life. Um, you know, could we go to confession? Uh, could we not miss mass every, you know, or not pick and choose when we go to mass? And the Lord just keeps calling it in and in. And, and sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And, yes. and so there's never a judgment. It's, it's the Lord calls us deeper day by day, year by year, even now, who knows what the Lord will be calling us to, um, you know, next month or this week or next year. I think the Lord just is always saying, could you give me a little more? Could you open your heart a little more to me? Yeah. 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 My whole spiritual journey started with, well, what if the, what if Jesus is really there? 
what if he's really in the Eucharist? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What if, you know, what, 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 you know, that little question that you have, go with that. Don't worry about that. You know, just, just go with that little crack. It's, it's actually, that's so beautiful. And, 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 and how do your kids respond to this? How, how, what is it like, you know, with six children in the house? How, how is it going? <laughs> it's loud. It it's, is. A, it's a beautiful chaos, I would say, you know, it's, um, they are their own unique people already at their ages, and they each have their own unique charisms. And, you know, we all have the three, our little three-year-old, and he'll tell me, um, you know, we're going to pray Hail Mary in his little voice, you know, and um, when we asked him about what do mom and dad teach you about your faith? And he said that we go to heaven, you know? So we have a whole spectrum of ages and personalities. And I can't say that they always want to sit down and pray the rosary, you know, with us as a family. Sometimes they'd rather sit at the couch and watch TV. You know, we have resistance going on, but the beauty of that, I think what I've learn personally is when you watch your children and you watch them as a child you have this beautiful image of your relationship with God as the father and you as the child and in those moments when the kids want to resist what's best for them or good for them you can see how we all do that with God and our own spiritual journeys too so you know, Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child. And I think oftentimes we believe as parents, as the older ones, it's all us guiding our children and growing our children. But so often it's them growing us. You know what I mean? And their little ways of catechizing and evangelizing us. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, um, as you can see from the color of my hair, I'm really old, okay? <laughs> and, and uh, but I find in recent years, certain things that I, ne- I thought uh, uh, would never be challenged are increasingly challenged. And uh, one of those is the, uh, the institution of family, what family mm-hmm. is, um, uh, what, what's the value of family and so forth. And, and as I listen to you, um, uh, a question that pops pops up is uh, um, you interact with the larger world. Your kids interact with the larger world and, and will do so increasingly as they grow older. Um, how do you pull that off? How do you, how do you, uh, uh, how do you do what you're doing and follow through on the commitments that you're, you've made in raising your family in a certain way? Um, relative to what's going on and swirling uh, around you? I think that's a great question, Bob, because I think it reflects a shift in our culture. So if this were 70 years ago, 80 years ago, we wouldn't be unique in any way. We would just be maybe a normal size or even a normal to smaller size family. I mean, my grandma was one of nine plus the babies that they lost and, you know, to heaven Um, I think bigger families were more of a norm. You think about the Kennedys or even Bobby Kennedy with what, 10 kids and he was young and vigorous. And, you know, you think about big families back then as opposed to now. So now 
a struggle that I've had is as we've had, once we passed really our third child, people stopped um, becoming happy for us when we would tell them that we were having a baby or they became less happy or more reserved or had a hard time hiding their nonverbal cues of, oh, you know, and or I got a lot of comments, especially at work. I would get a lot of comments um, about sterilization, the off-color jokes that, you know, I know a doctor, you can sterilize yourself, um, jokes about that. And, and I would say, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to do that, no. And, and that was very much um, a part of like the male culture right now in society, very much a um, sterilization push among guys my age um, at once you hit two to three to go and get sterilized and it, it's considered to be a other centered thing in secular culture well you have to do your part as a guy it's considered so that's been a, a struggle for me to kind of push back against that but I how think do you do that, that mark how do you how do you push back I think just in, with a great humility, because Nina had kind of referenced the humility that the kids bring, that it's not always easy. And there are kind of these illusions or mirages that society will put in front of you, the television ads for contraception kind of make it seem like, oh, if only you could stop this, then you could go to Disney World, or then you could go on your vacation to Bermuda or whatever you gotta do. and. Um, and Nina and I will just talk about it. I think we rely upon our marriage. And I'll say, I don't care about going to Disney World. That's not really my goal in life. My, you know, having another child has brought so much, each one immeasurable joy to our family. And we say sometimes our family is like a nuclear family right now, whereas the families I referenced in the past would have been extended families. They would have lived in these big apartments or nearby and everybody would have helped out. Now it's very much a nuclear family. So that's been Nina and I and our big family, but that will change as the kids get older. And I think somebody told me a long time ago, his name's father, Phil Brockmeyer. And I keep meaning to call him and tell him this news. When I was a new youth minister, before I had any kids, I said to him, how can you be open to a big family? And he said, Mark, where there's true love, there's always room for one more. And that just planted this little seed that he probably couldn't have even known that just flowered for myself and Nina, because that's so true. There's always one more at the dinner table. You know, you think about there's always one more in our life too and in our marriage nothing's closed off from god um, but i think that we to directly answer your question our marriage has in good communication constant communication has really allowed us to weather those things because those comments we've learned are sometimes made from a place of sadness because no one ever regrets having one more child Look at your own child, children, no matter how many you have, no one would regret having another child. But we do hear from people from time to time that say to us, oh, we wish that we had one more, they'll say. And they'll say it with such sadness. It's, it's really heartbreaking. And so again, with that humility, we just kind of go on and know that 
we're bringing new souls into heaven someday, even if they're miscarried and go directly to heaven. Those are souls that the Lord is bringing before his throne at one point. Yeah, yeah. Nina, you want to take a shot at this question? Yeah, I was just thinking also about um, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And so sometimes I think when people hear that you homeschool, they might think you're doing it to shelter your children or protect your children from the world. Um, I, I do think that homeschooling gives them a really good foundation and you get that time with your children to build them up before you send them out into the world. You know, um, it's like the house built on sand versus the house built on the rock and what's gonna weather the storm because they're going out in the world. We live in the world and they have to be prepared for it. But all that Mark said, you know, they're learning within the family and that's their protection right now for their of age to go out into the world. Um, so everything you said and a lot of grace and humility from God because it is countercultural. And, you know, sometimes I think you got to have a thick skin because people comment and it's not always pleasant. Um, but to learn that you don't have to take it personally. And, um, you know, there, if could, oh. could I interrupt for a second? Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the comments are in terms of family size, primarily. Yes, yes, yes. That's mm -hmm. primarily what it is. It's about family size or why. And these sometimes are yeah. just stories that are put in people's heads. So for guys who can be more sports oriented, once you go from two to three, I'm sure you guys have heard this. It's Oh, you're, I can't do that, Mark. Nope. That's going from man-to-man -man defense to a zone defense because, you know, there you're outnumbered by your kids. So, um, you know, you hear these stories that are put in people's heads, but those are just stories. And they, that's like a, a hypothesis almost that they have in their head. And sometimes I wonder, they don't know what to say. They don't have a background to talk about a big family. I never knew what a big family looked like either. So in many ways, Nina and I are just like going on our own frontier and creating our own reality here because, you know, once you reach a certain point, um, kids don't fit in a certain car anymore. The cars are built for two to three kids and that's it. So you kind of are like, okay, we're just, uh, we're just going to have to trust God to, um, you know, make a way here because we don't know what to do. And God always makes a way. Um, that it's true that God is never outdone in generosity. So if we open up our hearts to him, because God loves, we know that God loves children. We know that Jesus said that in scripture. He loves children. We know that some of the best people in the world love children. And we know that some of the gravest evil in the world is when evil is done against children. So that's why we know that children are so sacred. Um, so we have to push back, especially within the church. We have to push back and say children are a gift. They're not a burden. Um, just yesterday, I was um, on a trip. We took the kids paintballing on the north side of Oneida Lake, um, the, the teenagers not at church, not my own kids. <laughs> um, we took the teenagers in high school paintballing. So I'm driving along the north side of Oneida Lake, and there's two churches that are closed. And there's two, which really struck me, elementary schools that are closed. closed. Big, relatively modern looking elementary schools shuttered. And I saw this in the school system. Um, we would study demographic data. The demographic data was 
on a downward, th there weren't children being born. So whereas in the past in New Hartford or Ariskany, you would have bigger families um, for a variety of reasons that has gone down and we see it reflective and there's just no, there's not enough children to be in the school. So we have to close them and merge them with other schools or we have to combine into a K through 12 school building. Um, so this is something that we have to say, it's okay. And we have to really be a support to families so that they can feel like they can step out in faith and not feel that judgment or condemnation. Um, and that goes in a variety of areas, especially in work too. I think work, um, a lot of women feel pressure to, um, you know, get back to work or, you know, I, it's like, oh, I can't afford daycare. And so there's all these pressures too that aren't geared towards supporting a big family as well. Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by, uh, uh, it, it, well, you, you uh, describe your and, and Nina's uh, experience has been kind of uh, on the frontier without a whole lot of, uh, uh, of guidance and so forth. But yet you also cite the one comment from your priest friend that uh, where there's true love, there's always room for one more, which <clears throat> really uh, that's been a significant guiding principle for you. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes. And, and so I, uh, on the one hand, I'm, I'm uh, you know, and, and the jokes you reference about going from man to man to zone and, and so forth that seem to suggest some kind of a teaching construct there, you know, um, and I'm, uh, I'm just struck by the importance of, of examples being provided to young Catholic families uh, that open up other options for them in, in terms of how they want to realize and their, their own uh, life as, as families and, and parents. And um, I'm, I'm kind of rambling a bit here. I'm, um, but uh, does that make sense to you? Yeah, so for me as a guy, um, role modeling is so important. You know, a lot of us men really looked up to our grandfathers because our grandfathers, um, you know, were that older guy role model. Um, it's, and that's been a void for me because when I look up one generation to all my uncles, my father, um, most men that I know in the church, they did not have big families. So I can't image them and say, what did they do? Or what, what does it look like? You know, how do I hold, it's like a guy, how do I hold the hammer? Or how do I, how do I hold the bat? Like the dad or the grandpa, they image it for you. Correct. And then they gradually release it back to you. So naturally, and that's where I think having a big family sets your kids up in a way to be open to life themselves because they're able to image Nina and I again with that humility knowing that we're very imperfect going about it but they can image us and say and then gradually released back to them so whereas yes. I had never held a baby before because I'm the youngest in my family I had never held a baby before my oldest yes so um speaking of and <laughs> whereas right now, like all my children are taking turns holding baby because it's right. just what we do in the family. It's not, no, it's not unusual. They know what to do. 
they have strategies that kind of run out after a while, you know, yep. at their age and development. But that's such a blessing for them to be able to do that. Yes. Um, so, Mark, yeah. I'm curious about your work with the teens. I mean, you're imaging for the teens, something that they probably never experienced or thought of themselves. And what what is that like? I mean, what questions do they have? What concerns? Are, what are you this, dealing with with these teens? Thank you for asking me that, because I that's a therapeutic question for me. And <laughs> so when I started as a youth minister at Holy Family in Syracuse, large suburban parish, I was right out of college. Father Pryor, awesome priest of our diocese, hired me. I, like I said, never held a baby. I was a different type of a youth minister. And then I came to Utica after we got married and I did some faith formation slash youth ministry work for uh, Father Joe Salerno, another incredible priest. Yeah. And um, I had a younger family, but they were still kind, you know, little and not as big of a size of a family. So this is my first go around this summer, being a youth minister with a big family and some of whom are old enough to participate in my events. So that has been humbling for me in some ways because I will have a baby in my hand sometimes and, or I'll be with the kids and I won't be as like effective as I think I wanna be. Well, I have to be out there playing football or I gotta be hands-on or, or I'm not doing this or, or, sit, or doing that. And somebody, um, one of our employees within Spirit of Hope said to me, which was really profound she, and just supportive, she said, but they're seeing you as a dad. And so they're seeing your fatherhood in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also blessed in Spirit of Hope to have two young priests who are full of zeal and energy and just are shot out of the cannon in such a great way. So yes. sometimes we can like pass the buck between each other and I can take on more of a supportive role. Um, but it has been challenging. And I, I've had to kind of adjust my perspective in youth ministry. Um, but I know too that it's important for, like you said, me to remind myself that, especially um, you know, if they don't have those role models in their own life, for the teens to be able to see what, what a father looks like, what a father does. Yeah. And some of their fathers might be at work all day and they might not see that. Uh, you know, how many of our dads worked really long hours? Sure. So in a strange way, the youth minister can kind of image that while the father might be, you know, even just for a few hours, someplace else or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, any, any kind, any time we can strengthen that role of father, I think in our, in our society right now, we've got to do it because it's just, just been decimated really. Yes, um, it's, it's so, huge. Yeah. 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 And, and like you said, Nina, it really helps us with our relationship with God the Father. And so I think that's one of the tragedies of our times that a lot of children, young people, even adults, I mean, the evil one has really made us feel like we're orphans, that we don't have a father in heaven, that we don't, that we can't count on a father, that God is not our father, that he doesn't care or that he doesn't exist or his truth doesn't matter. And yet, I mean, this is this is what God established the family, the family to show us how His love is, what His love is, and uh, and you are living that every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the clock is ticking. I, I wondered uh, if we could 
maybe ask uh, both of you uh, if you had two pearls of wisdom to offer uh, parents today. Uh, what would what would those pearls be? Uh, um, Nina, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that one of the biggest things is to remember this: that we're parenting for eternity, and our goal is heaven. So if you can keep that in, in mind, that your goal is heaven. And as a parent, your job on earth is to help to bring your children to heaven one day. That can undertone everything else. Just puts everything into perspective. The goal is not top-notch college or um, letters before their name or after their name. The goal is to help uh, each other and our children to get to heaven. And then... Um, one thing that I would say is that in going along with that, that the Lord entrusts the children to us, he entrusts these children to us and that we do our best and we cooperate with God's grace the best we can, but we know ultimately that they're his, that they have their own wills, mm -hmm. that we will form them the best that we can. Mm -hmm. Um, but that ultimately we have to give them back to God and say, I've seen that in my time in ministry, sometimes a parent will even say that verbally. They'll say, I'm giving him back to God. They'll say it in front of the Eucharist and adoration. Maybe I gave my child back to God and that made all the difference because I kept trying, stop trying to hold on so tightly. Well, this is great. This was great. Um, Nina, it's very evident to me why Mark wanted you to join him. <laughs> thanks for thanks for being being with us you know and Aww. and would you would you be willing to come back again at some point in the future to uh, expand on some of these ideas sure yeah of course okay, okay. well that's great well, god bless your family and your work and we'll be praying for you absolutely thank you, thank you and thank you bob thanks so much for joining us yeah it's our pleasure thank you guys so much okay see you again bye-bye We are grateful that you joined us today for another episode of the Mission Revive podcast. We humbly ask for your prayers as we continue in the mission entrusted to us to evangelize and revive hearts with Jesus. We would also ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast or making a financial contribution to support this growing ministry. You can do this by visiting our website at revivehopeandhealing.com or through our Revive Hope and Healing Ministries patron page. We cannot do this without you. Thank you.